0: Thank you, Tim, for praying. Thank you. Isn't that a miracle? Uh, Think about it. Uh, Four months ago, we were at 247. We're at 54, 56, whatever it is. It's a lot less. Thank you. You are amazing. And a special thank you to the Finance Committee, Wayne and Murph, and their uh, Wayne and their Waynes and Murphs. It wasn't just the men who did this. Thank you. Uh, you guys did an amazing job. you're doing an amazing job. Thank you, Wayne. Where are you? Thank you Murph. Thank you. I also just want to say thank you to the church for the gifts and for this morning. It is a joy to serve here. Uh, this is a joyful place to be a pastor, and I, one of the problems with being a pastor is I like you uh, yeah as that, that sounds bad um, that I, I sometimes hear pastors talking, they talk about their congregations almost as if they didn't like them. And I'm like, whoa, come on. I like these people that I'm called to serve with. And I think it's a special joy. Uh, this is a special year for me, for Narita and I. Uh, in, in two and a half weeks, it'll be 25 years that we are licensed or ordained. Uh, I, I checked the, the date. I was first licensed and then... Uh, Nineteen years ago, we were ordained. And uh, that's longer than some of you have lived. But uh, it has been a joy. Uh, Initially, I was called to preach. And then I was called to a home charge in 2002, uh, November of 2002, nearly 19 years ago uh, in in Martinsburg. But So I have seen my share of fellow preachers. And one of the joys that I have had as a pastor is I've always had this kind of strong sense of, of people supporting, people I'm working with supporting, a good support team. And I really appreciate Chris. Uh, Chris is a, I, I don't view myself as a lead pastor. I think I'm, I, I lead among equals. That's why I, I love that term, a lead among equals. And it has been a joy to work with Chris, his gifting. It, the strong, the strength he brings to me. Uh, and then also, just as I think about, reflect on our elders who have, who have helped lead through this the last couple years here, Brent, uh, Brent is an amazing person. Brent is solid, and when you need something from Brent, he's there. And administratively, he has been really good. And thank you, Brent. I think he's out back uh, cleaning tables. And Tim, you know, We don't come one Sunday morning and there's no one here to lead worship. Thank you, Tim. You have been a a constant, solid. Thank you. It's a joy to work with you and it's a joy just to be together and to see who God calls together here at Providence as as God calls us together here. Thank you for that. Please turn your Bibles to 1 Timothy. Uh, last few Sundays, we've been on a series thinking about our upcoming ordination, and we want to talk more about that Wednesday night, the processes, and things like that. But uh, I, I just, uh, we've, we've, we've heard about character and qualities that make a good pastor, or a pastoral team even. And I, I always get convicted when I listen to those sermons, because I think I'm just not there yet. Um, I recently read a book by Philip Yancey, actually his memoir, who just, it just came out. And one of the things that struck me about his book is his mother uh, lived in a tradition, a holiness tradition, where she thought she had attained perfection. And the world around them thought that she was pretty close, but her boys didn't. Because her boys lived with her. And probably the strongest support person that I've had in the last 25 years has been Narita. She has made my ministry as as a pastor possible. And I'm not trying to uh, I, I'm saying that because that is the reality of it. Uh, we were once in a discussion with somebody about uh, the evils of some form of sin, and this, this lady said, I'm so apprehensive, you know, then our people will start staying out late and, and coming home late uh, if, they're, if they get caught up in this evil. And I thought, well, that, she should be a pastor's wife to understand what it means for people. Narita's often sat at home while I've been gone and waited on me. Uh, I wasn't at the saloon. I was at a preacher's meeting. Um, So you've been very... Thank you. You've made my ministry possible. Thank you. And as we think about uh, adding to the pastoral team, it's a joy, but I want to talk this morning about the call. And this is a hard thing to talk about in a church because of our selection process that we use and will use here, where we select from within. And yet at the same time, we need to talk about it. I want I invite you to follow along in 1 Timothy chapter 1. I like to read uh, verse 12, and then I, we're, we're also going to go to, to 2 Corinthians in a bit. But uh, 1 Timothy 1, and I really want you to follow along in the scripture to see what it actually says. 1 Timothy 1, verse 12. I thank him, this is Paul writing, by the way. He's writing to a young preacher named Timothy. Um, And he's writing, he says, I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service. Notice what it says, appointing me to his service. Though formerly I was a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent opponent, but I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief. invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Now, you notice what Paul does here. He says, I, I thank God who has given me the strength to operate as a, as a pastor, as a, as a leader. He said, "It is it, Jesus judged me faithful, and he appointed me. And I, I, was, I was reading through that in, in preparation a couple weeks ago for this sermon, and I thought, I wonder what that means, that word appoint. Does it mean called? And in some translations, it's called. Because he called me to his service. And I thought, I wonder what that word means. And I found this really fascinating. This word is only... The Greek word is only used twice in the New Testament. Now, the word called or appointed is used multiple times, a hundred plus times in our English Testament. But only twice is this Greek word used. The other time it's used is in, in uh, 2 Corinthians. Turn there if you wish. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Again, this is Paul writing. In verse 16, it says this. But thanks be to God, who put into the heart of Titus the same earnest care I have for you. For he not only accepted our appeal, but him being himself very earnest, he is going to you of his own accord. With him, <clears throat> verse 18, with him, We are sending the brother who is famous among all the churches for his preaching of the gospel. And not only that, but he has been appointed by the churches. Notice that. He has been appointed by the churches to travel with us as we carry out this act of grace that is being ministered by us. Now, Paul doesn't uh, identify who the man was, but he said, this man is appointed. And interestingly enough, these two words... The, the t- two times this word is used, appointed, it means to to uh, to stretch out the hand to take a vote, uh, to to constitute by voting. So the churches chose in in, in both cases the, Paul was chosen by the church, and the the other brother who he doesn't name, the famous brother, for his preaching. He doesn't name him. He said he was called, he was voted on by the church for this place. And I found that really fascinating. The, the word literally means to constitute by vote. So it means the vote was taken and that's who it was. That is not the word that is used uh, the other times that appointed is used in the New Testament. The other times, uh, that w- the word often means laid or put. So they laid him in the tomb. They appointed him into the tomb. Oftentimes the word is, is they they put him into the tomb. So they put him into place. In this case, it's very specific that the church chose somebody to fill this space. And when you think about that, what we're preparing to do as a church is not much different. Interestingly enough, whenever it happens in the New Testament, prayer and fasting is mentioned. So that's the call to the church. But I want to just back up a little bit and talk a little bit about calling. And this is a, t- a, a tough subject because oftentimes in our circles, people feel a sense of call and don't know what to do with it. Because you can't very well get up one Sunday morning in church and say, I feel a call to the ministry. Now you can. Uh, please do. We'll help you find a place. And I just want to back up a little bit and say, what is the calling of God on people's lives? Uh, there are four essential strands to the idea of calling in, in the Bible. There's a simple, straightforward call. Humans call out. God calls out. It's how God created. He called out creation. The word is used in Hebrew like that. He called it out. He spoke it out. So he, or I call you. I call Chris. Chris, I call you. So, so that, that's that sense of call. The second way it's used is to, to give a name to. When you have a child, you say, we called him Marcus. So, so the idea of giving a name to. Uh, the third way it's used in the Bible is it's almost a synonym for salvation. God's calling for all of you. And here's where we can kind of say the first three are about God calling all of humanity into some place. God has a call on all your lives. It doesn't matter whether you're appointed to be the preacher or appointed to a, a specific role. God has a call on each of your life, both a general call to salvation and a specific call to Christian ministry. All of you are called to Christian ministry. The Bible is really quite clear um, that that the the the, the so the first one is kind of a general call, a primary calling, the calling as followers of Jesus to follow him. Jesus calls us by name to follow him. Tim, you're my follower. Follow me. Peter, you're my follower. Follow me. The more specific call, though, everyone and, and calls, I should say. God has placed calls on every one of you, and, and that is you are called to live in a certain way, to speak to live, speak, live and act for Jesus in certain places. For some of you, that's the Christian ministry in a church. For others of you, it's to be uh, where you're called. Um, so so I, I want us to be really quite clear that all of you have two calls: the call to follow Jesus. And the call to a specific ministry that you are designed for. You are created in a unique way. Did you ever think about it? On December 24th, 1969, at 10 o'clock in the evening, this little baby came into the world. And my parents called him Marcus. And I was designed and created in a specific way for the kingdom of Christ. As are you. I think that one of the issues that we often face in church life is that we've distorted that and we've made church ministry more special than other ministry. Doesn't mean that we're not special, okay? But you are called to a specific ministry that only you can fill. If you believe in creation and if you believe in God's design on your life and the fact that you are uniquely and specifically created for something, you have to believe that because there is only one of you. Think about the options in the world. How many people? Seven billion people in the world? Seven billion? There is only one Ed. There's only one. He is made in a specific way for this time period on earth and this space in the world to fulfill something that only He can do. In, in our world, that's often been kind of... Christian, Christianity in, in some ways has distorted this. In the Middle Ages, the Catholics distorted this because everybody in a certain area was Christian. So they had to have special Christians and they called them monks and nuns. So there's, there's two layers of Christianity in their world. There's the very special Christians, who are monks and nuns, and then there's the average Christian. And in some ways, our world, our Christian world distorts that when we talk about full-time Christian service. Do you know? Can I just tell you something very freeing? You are all called the full-time Christian service. It's about where you serve that is unique to you. Irvin, I happen to know that you are called to full-time Christian service in the small engine business. That's where you are. There's a specific call on you for where you are. That might be mothering, being a mother, a wife. But it could be so much more. And you need to pray and, and, and think about what God is calling you. You know, Jesus was a carpenter. His apostles were fishermen. Paul was a tent maker. They all had this place in life where they functioned. A few are called to work in the church. So, so I, I, I wanted to talk about that because when we call a pastor here, there's a, there is always the risk that some of you who have a sense of call in your life to ministry will feel rejected. Please don't. There is a place for you in the kingdom. That is the freeing thing. The kingdom is big enough for all of us. So, how do you recognize your calling? How do we recognize the calling of somebody from within the church? Think back, uh, think about what Paul is saying in the passage in 1 Timothy here. I thank him who has given me the strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful. That's the general call. Paul chose to follow Jesus. He had this Damascus Road experience where God called him. And then later, God gave him a specific call, appointed him through the church to speak, to preach, and to take the gospel. I was reading through the New Testament or the Old Testament recently or thinking through the Old Testament stories and kind of flipping through and I thought, this happens so regularly. So there's this man who grows up in the royal courts, the most prominent places in the world. He grows up there in, through some fluke, it seems like, of nature. You know, his mother, uh, his mother hides him in bulrushes. And through some fluke, the qu- fluke, through some accident... No, it's not. It's God. The design of God on your life. Moses is taken into the palace at, at Pharaoh, and he learns how to be a leader there, but he's not done. God has some tempering to do, so he sends him. Forty years he served there, and then for another 40 years, he goes out into the wilderness. And he's an old man by now, and then God says, now you're ready. You know, I went through several ordinations before I was actually called and in, in, both, in all those ordinations, I felt a sense of call. And in all of them, after the ordination, I struggled some with saying, well, where is my place? But I also found a great deal of freedom and relief to say, God is called, I'm going to live well wherever I am. And so when we think about calling somebody, appointing somebody, remember that term, to stretch out the hand, to constitute by vote, which we'll do next month in a process, what we're doing is we're, we're recognizing someone's call. We should do that for everyone. By the way, we should sit down with everybody uh, and say, now what is it that God has called you to be? A carpenter, a good, a, a roofer, a, a, a business leader, a businessman, um, a siding installer, a a, a barista. Oh, good. Yeah, okay. So the church recognizes. In in some ways, the, the, in, in Acts, it gives the appearance that the church actually did some of that as, they, as, as people went out into their daily work. And and it, this, is, this is the part that I want us to hear very clearly. When people are called to church ministry, they should have been faithful in where God has called them where they're at. Do you understand what I'm saying with that? It, it, oftentimes... Um, uh, oftentimes when you're not fulfilling your calling, you feel dissatisfied, a holy dissatisfaction. You know, this week I was thinking, I was had some a- extra time to pray, and I was laying on the couch. By the way, I'm sick of my couch. Our couch. It's my corner of the couch. I'm kind of sick of it after this week. But I was, I was praying. I thought, this is amazing. Today, there are people moving other people around in vans. There's a firefighter, EMT, in New Philadelphia. There's a man in an engine shop. There's a truck driver. There's somebody hanging siding. And they're all appointed by God. There's somebody training horses. There's somebody cooking meals. There's somebody designing trusses. We could go on and on. There's somebody selling Christian books. We could just go on and on. And, 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 and the gospel is spreading. And the love of Jesus is spreading because of that. So the call is general. Come to Jesus. The call is very specific. I've called you to this place and time for this ministry. And in a few weeks, we're going to place that call on the other. So how does one discover the calling? I just want to think through this a little bit. Number one, they should be faithful in what they're, what they're doing now. There needs to be faithfulness. I was thinking about character in a person. Um, and, and by the way, in the, uh, as a young man who felt a, a passion and a burning desire to preach, uh, I, I preached my first sermon at 18 years old, 19 years old, in northern Ontario to four people. I spent 20 hours preparing that sermon for four people. A couple of years ago, I met one of those four people, and they still remembered the sermon. It scared me a little bit. I felt this burning passion to preach, to be involved in what I'm doing. I went through two ordinations where we weren't chosen. And after each one of those, there was a a time period where I felt like, uh, uh, does God recognize who I am? And one of the things that that helped me so much is that an older mentor who said, you just what God has called you to now is to be faithful. And just the way you are. You'll get opportunity. Just be faithful. So when you think about character, there are two pieces to character that I think we need to recognize. First of all is humility, and secondly is faithfulness. The second thing is then recognition by the body. In both cases where this word appoint is used, it is quite clear that the body of Christ recognized the call in someone's life and asked them to act in that call. And that's what we'll do here at Providence. We'll recognize the gift, the calling. We'll, we'll wor- work our way through that in the interview process and then we'll, we'll, we'll recognize it. And that recognition is much more uh, it, it is for that person, it's for the church, but it's also for the cosmic powers. Because when I guarantee you, in the last 25 years, I have had many moments where I've said, I think I'm quitting. But you know what has kept me? It's that recognition of Jesus calling me to something bigger than myself. And then the third thing, is this person needs to be somebody who is willing and, lo- and eager to learn. With calling goes learning. I am so intrigued by some of you. By you, I was thinking about who should I pick on. I could pick on many of you. I was thinking about Mike this week uh, or uh, last week. I, I was texting Mike, and uh, he said, "I'm in Dayton taking classes." I'm like, Mike knows everything about EMT and firefighting. I think that there is, but he's taking classes. Why? Why? Are, so, Mike, what did you learn? I'm putting you on the spot, but what were the classes about? Okay, vehicle extrication, how to get somebody out of a vehicle if there's been an accident or something. So Mike already knows how to run the jaws and stuff, but why, okay, so, so Mike took those. Number one, it keeps him on edge with the newest technology, the newest ways, but it also takes him right back into his calling as an EMT. And so a person who is called, whatever you're called to, you need to become the best that you can be in that calling. If God has called you to be a business leader, then you do everything you can to learn how to be a good business leader. If that means taking classes, if that means reading, if that means those kind of things, then you do that. If God is calling you to train horses, you learn horses inside out. You become the horse whisperer of Holmes County, which I think Marvin is. If God has called you to be a roofer, you you learn the product, the techniques, because that is what actually creates testimony That this person is somebody powerful. And in the same way, in the kingdom of God, if you're called to to be a pastor, you learn everything you can about how to be a good pastor. And learn what your limitations are and your spaces. I've been uh, so blessed as I think through the Old Testament. I'm going to end with a story. This is a difficult time for the Jewish people. Uh, They have been forced to leave their homeland. The places they love, the places they've grown up, their home places have been destroyed and desecrated. At first they're well liked, but then a spellbinding speaker begins to give speeches about the evils of the Jewish nation, of the Jewish world. The Jews are going to take over the world, he says. We need to get rid of the Jews. And they begin to feel this fear. They begin to be identified as Jews and they begin to feel that fear. Any idea what I'm talking about? Isn't there, um, not too long ago, there was a, um, within the last hundred years, there was a world event that, where this happened? Man's name was Adolf Hitler. But long before that event, there was a man named Haman, who in the courts of the king had a lot of recognition and he said, look, These people are going to take over the land. We need to do something. These are the people of God. The nation that God has chosen. They they sent out a law. They said, uh, the law said, destroy, kill, and cause to perish. All Jews, both young and old, little children and women, everyone. There was a day set when that was about to happen. One of the old wise Jewish leaders Went to his niece, said, Esther, you're in a unique position. You're the queen. Esther says, but I might die. She was really in a unique position. Her, her life was actually had been ruined, but then she realized that she had this place. And all of a sudden, Esther realizes that she's part of something much bigger than being queen of Persia. She's, 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 there's something much bigger going on here. And then verse uh, in Esther chapter 4, and they told Mordecai what Esther had said. What Esther said, But as for me, I have not been called to come into the king these 30 days. She hadn't been seen the king, she hadn't seen her husband for 30 days. Uh, and uh, she said, I run the risk if I go in unannounced, I run the risk of death. And Mordecai, in all his great wisdom, says, So, Esther, what are you going to do? He said, don't think that just because you're in the king's palace, you're going to escape. For if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will come to the Jews, but it won't be through you. It'll come from another place, but you and your father's house will perish. Then he says these words, and who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. And when Esther hears those words, she said, Go gather God's people together and have them pray and fast. After three days of praying and fasting, I'm going to go into the king. And if I die, I die. But my people are more important than my life. Now, I can assure you that whoever God is calling isn't going to die, it'll be a joy. But I also want us to just step back and say, what has God called us to, each of us? What is God's calling on your life? And and God has called you, who knows, but whether you have been called to the kingdom for such a time as this. Think about the fact that you are uniquely designed and created. That there is only one of you, and there is only one of you that has ever been in history. That is an amazing thing. There's only ever been one Chris Hostetler. There's only been one Isaac Hostetler. Think about it. In all of history, there's only been one of him. God has has created him for this moment. And in the same way that God created Esther to bring deliverance to, to her people, God is inviting each one of us to step into the call he's placed on our lives, whether that's in church ministry or a broader ministry, and say, who knows but whether you're called to the kingdom for such a time as this. And then you say, and fast, I will take my place. And if it means giving up myself, I will do so. Let's pray together. Lord, we have all these examples through Scripture of people constituted by the vote of the people, appointed. And who knows, and you know that it is for such a time as this. And I pray that as we process our own calling, our, our calling as a believer to follow you, and our calling in the places that you've called us to be. I pray that you would put the burden, not the burden, put the delight in our soul to say, this is who I am, and I want to faithfully serve. And whomever God has called to the, to the pastorate in, as we prepare for an ordination, I pray that you would already bless them and help us to realize that that's, uh, that is not uh, any more special than being called to the exact things that God has called us to. It is unique, but God, you've called us each to a specific ministry to give back all, what we, all that we've been given. And help us to understand all that we've been given. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's rise.